Hi, and welcome to the Authentic Audience Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Ritma. This is a marketing podcast like you haven't heard before. It's about real connections and honest conversations. Why am I here? To remind you that you can fly. If you're brave enough to listen to that calling inside you, I'm here to serve you and show you that marketing can and should be honest, that the truth sells and authenticity wins. So how can businesses and brands build a real and authentic audience? The Authentic Audience Podcast gives you insight into growing your business and marketing strategies to gain real followers and loyal customers. Each week, I create a space of radical honesty for thought leaders and entrepreneurs who have built successful businesses to share their insights on business, marketing, relationships, life, and spirituality. Each episode is sure to remind you the power of storytelling and truth selling. Get ready to get real, get raw, get honest, and keep growing. Mark Johnson is a Grammy award-winning producer and engineer and award-winning film director. Director. For the past 20 years, Mark has worked with some of the most renowned producers in the music, film, and television industries and worked with musical artists such as Paul Simon, Jackson Brown, Keith Richards, Bono, Robbie Robertson, and Ringo Starr. In hopes of showcasing musical talents found on the streets, Johnson, Johnson parlayed his musical knowledge and technical skills to turn his vision into what is now known as Playing for Change. Playing for Change is a multimedia movement created to inspire, connect, and bring peace to the world through music. Playing for Change is the 2019 recipient of the prestigious Polar Music Prize, often referred to as the Nobel Prize of Music. Mark also sits on the board of directors for the Playing for Change Foundation, a separate nonprofit created in order to bring music education to children in the communities the team had visited while traveling. Mark has also been a keynote speaker at the United Nations, TED Global, the World Economics Forum, and Davos, and a featured guest on the Colbert Report. Travis Smiley, Bill Moyers Journal, and CNN Heroes. Who? Such icons as Norman Lear, Chris Blackwell, and Howard Schultz have supported Playing for Change in the PFC movement continues to grow one heart and one song at a time. Obviously, with that introduction, you know why Mark is here and why I'm so honored to be here speaking to him today. So welcome, Mark. Hey, thank you so much. Such an honor to be here. Oh, I'm so happy to talk to you. As my listeners are picking up on, we're switching gears a little bit. Um, I've been sort of in this obsession with fair trade, ethical consumerism, sustainability, all of this stuff, but music is uh, my muse, so it feels really good to be switching gears. Um, like I start every podcast, how are you? Where are you? Um, tell me what's happening in your world today. Yeah, so I'm here in Venice Beach, California. I'm doing well, quarantining or just staying at home, um, which is fine because I record and mix all the music and edit all the videos here at home anyway. So, right. uh, you know, it's sort of, just sort of a great time to go inside, literally and figuratively, you know. So I'm just trying to make the most out of it, come out stronger, um, more connected to myself and the rest of the world through this process. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. Thank you. Good, good. Well, I'd love to just dive right in here and hear more about playing for change. Um, obviously, you have like this incredible resume, bio, whatever you want to call it, life. Um, so this is a, a beautiful idea, and I'd love to sort of learn more about what sparked this idea um, and how you really brought this this movement to life. Yeah, right on. Yeah, so I mean, uh, the original idea for playing for change, I think it was the first seed of, of the project was kind of born out of a question, you know? How can we find one thing to connect everybody? Because we live in such a divided world. So many people looking at the world from different perspectives. And I just wanted to, to not be put on a team in my life. Like, oh, this is your group. I felt like, no, humanity is my group. And I want to find something that can kind of connect everybody together. So it started with that search, right? And then um, I was a recording engineer when I graduated college. And I went to New York City and I was recording music. And one day I would record for Biggie Smalls and the next day would be Paul Simon and the next day a 70 piece orchestra. And they would come in and I would be there for their happiest moments of their life. They're making their music. This is their time, you know, and you could see all this joy on their faces. And then they would all leave and go to completely different worlds. And I thought to myself, wow, if they could see what I get to see in each of them, they would all be best friends because they're so similar, but they don't even know it. Mm -hmm. So I just sort of had that in my head. And I was on my way to work one day in a subway station in New York City. 
and there were two monks painted all in white with robes on. One was playing a nylon guitar, the other one was singing, and I don't know the language. I imagine most people didn't. And every day there's street music in the subway, but this day nobody gets on the train. I mean, it's a mob of people watching this music. And I looked around and I saw a homeless man next to a businessman and a little girl next to an elderly woman, everybody watching this music. And I just really had this epiphany, like two things happened. One, I realized the best music I heard in my life was on the way to the studio and not in the studio. And the second thing I learned is that when the music played, the things that divided us, they disappeared. So I said, okay, I wanna go try to find out these kind of moments and explore how this connects people from one heart to another heart. You know, the, the things that made them different were disappearing when the music played. So, and also a lot of documentaries and people when they record outside, it's always low quality. And I was thinking, wow, what if I bring the same equipment I use with Paul Simon to the streets, to the subways, to the native reservations, go hit the, you know, the, the places where the people are and bring the studio to the people. So that was really the birth of Playing for Change was that experience, the idea to take the studio to the people and then to interview them and try to understand how do they make sense of the world and who are they as people so that I could have them all play music together. And then people would see someone they relate to relating to someone they didn't relate to. And now they would relate more to them. And how much just depends on where they're at in life. But it's a tool, music, invented by people for this purpose, to overcome the things that divide us, to unite together, to inspire each other, to show love, um, and to all the human emotions. So I felt like this was a path to, to take something that I really believed in and go explore it. And that's sort of been the journey of playing for change. That was the beginning anyway. That's beautiful. And now you've been to over 60 countries. So since then, sort of how has it evolved and what does it look like today? I, I was looking at the website. It's like a membership site. You can join, you can support. Um, how, how do people, how, do, how have you grown it? How is it sustainable, you know, financially to, to do this? Yeah. So, I mean, originally it, we were making films and our first, uh, first we made a film right after that experience I just mentioned in the subway. We made a film called The Cinematic Discovery of Street Musicians. And we would travel across America and record and film musicians with a mobile studio and cameras. And we made two songs across America. Just one was called Blues Across America, the other was called Song Across America. And they were just original songs that we would create and add musicians as we would go. So, so cool. A solo in Harlem playing with a solo in Venice Beach and they cut back and forth. And we just realized how well this concept works. So the next idea was, well, let's try to take this around the world. And this time we'll not just be on the streets, we'll go into native reservations, we'll go into villages, we'll go to the Himalayan mountains, go learn what role music plays around the world. And we made a film called Peace Through Music. And it started with the song Stand By Me, which was our first ever song around the world, which was sung by this legendary street musician here in Santa Monica named uh, Roger Ridley. And I remember walking by him and saying, man, you sound like Otis Redding. What are you doing singing on the street? And he said, man, I'm in the joy business. I come out to bring joy to the people. And so I said, hey, if I record you and film you playing Stand By Me, I want to travel the world, put headphones on musicians, add them to the track. And he looked at me like I was crazy. But he said, hey, if you come back, I'll play the song. And so he played Stand By Me. And then that kind of set us out on this journey to just pick all random places around the world and understand and, and film them and record their own music and then add them to these songs around the world. We had Stand By Me and Bob Marley's One Love. And this led to um, a feature film called Peace Through Music that premiered at Tribeca Film Festival in 2007. Okay. And, and what happened was then, um, you know, but as we were building this, we didn't know if anyone would see anything, if anyone would hear anything, if, um, what would happen if there would be any business? It wasn't started to be a business. In fact, it was kind of started to get away from business <laughs> because we wanted something really starting from the ground up, just about sincerity. You know, there's really, in my opinion, no good or bad music. It's just whether you like it or not. And so that offers an opportunity to record a lot of kinds of music and show people that the power that it has. So based on that, we gave all, all the musicians we would record and film around the world, we would pay them but we would also give the featured artists um, royalties to make Very a Very cool. 
And then what happened was after Tribeca Film Festival, we met Norman Lear and he owned a record company, uh, Concord Records, uh, through Universal Music. And they signed us to a partnership agreement and then played it for Howard Schultz at Starbucks who loved it and said he would distribute it. And then um, Bill Moyers' journal um, asked me to come on before the Obama election in 2008 and play Stand By Me and play One Love. He didn't care how people voted, but he wanted them to see this so they could feel more connected as a society, as a human, human race. So after that, people took the videos from his show, which were five minutes long, and put them on this thing called YouTube, which was just starting. And all of a sudden, it went from like 10 people in my apartment watching this and then a few people at a film festival to just getting spread around the world and around the world. And, you know, as of now, you know, it's 10 years later, but Stand By Me is 150 million views. In over Amazing. 200 countries. How long did that take just to back up? It's quite the undertaking. I mean, you say it like, oh, we just hopped on a plane and went to the Himalayas. But my, I have two questions in that story alone is one, I do a lot of traveling with just myself and that's just a lot in general. I've led a couple trips to Nepal. Now, actually, we were talking offline with Trevor's wife. Um, she's my best friend. She's a regular on this podcast, Emery Hall. Um, and so... The amount of work uh, it takes to get a crew and equipment and all of this stuff. So one, how long did that take to do Stand By Me around the world? And two, what were the musicians' reactions like when you went into these villages, cultures, um, with all this equipment? Like, what was that experience? Yeah, that was really funny. So the, the process of making the film in Stand By Me was about two years. Okay. And For the- one song. Well, no, we made a couple. Okay. But still, that's a lot of patience and and Yeah, you're you're flying to Kathmandu to get a tambourine and a (laughs) tabla. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. So um, when I started traveling, I mean, I think it was a mix of being a little naive and incredibly hopeful. And that sort of got us through some some of the original um, difficulties of who are these people and what are they doing here? Yeah. but I had, I had uh, been given a picture by my brother of a book called A Day in the Life of Africa. And one of the photographs in that book was um, captioned, one of the most dangerous places in South Africa, find solace through backyard jazz. And they just were playing in this total ghetto and it looked so soulful. And I just said to our, my friends who are our crew, hey, we have to go there. We have to go find these guys. So we did a little research on the internet. We found out the bass player's name was Pokey. That's all we knew. So we went to South Africa and we started recording and traveling through townships and going into the cities and asking everybody, do they know Pokey? Nobody knew Pokey until one day we were recording this band called Joe and the Ganja Muffins. And Joe, his best friend, is Pokey. So Joe gets us in a van and drives us out from the city of Cape Town, one of the most beautiful cities in the world, into Gugaletu Township, one of the poorest places in the world. And seeing that transition, in about a 20, 30 minute drive changed my whole life because I've never seen things go from so wealthy to so poor so quickly. And it started to really take on a whole nother level. You know, when you interview people in the township about music, they would say things like music is my ammunition. Music is how we stay alive. No, I never knew anything that deep. You know, I never heard anybody play music literally to stay alive. And then, but that's where, how deep music can be, right? It's as deep as we are. So that experience, then we went out, we meet Pokey, and he's been on my wall for years. So when he comes out of his little shack, I like run up to give him a hug, you know, and he's like, who are you? What are you doing here? And I'm like, oh, that's right. He has no idea who I am. So I had at the time an iPod video, and I give him the iPod video of Stand By Me, where it was at that time, and I went in his backyard, and it was a bunch of little shacks and a huge population of HIV at the time. So a lot of really sick people and really sick children. And I just looked around and it was horrible. And I said, wow, we've gone too far. I got to go tell the guys, sorry, you know, this is too much. But when I went back inside, Pokey was freaking out over the Stand By Me video and calling all his friends to come jam. And I'm telling him maybe we shouldn't do this. And he's like, no, 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 no. And they set up all their equipment and we set up our cameras and record it. And it was like an exorcism, like everyone comes out of these little huts and 
it, all the sadness is gone. They're screaming at first and then singing and dancing and everybody together. And I looked around and I thought to myself, first of all, like, I've never seen a place go from so sad to so happy with nothing changed other than just music was played. Wow. And so that to me showed me how the potential of this project, because when you bring people in an environment where they are, like you were talking about the concept of the podcast, transcendence, like an idea of being a part of something bigger than yourself. You know, we weren't there for just South Africa. We weren't there to just focus on their poverty, their crime, their health issues. We were there to focus on their music and bring that out and add that to this human story that we were making. So we started to realize that it's all about context. Like if we were there for some negative purpose, we would have been killed. But because we were there for music, they told us that they've got our back while we're there and we're protected. So it was really just sort of learning these lessons, luckily, before any trouble came, that with a good intention, open mind, open heart, when you travel, the world is really a giant family, you know, and that that's what we were able to be invited into um, by making the project. Wow. So that sort of led us with a little bit of wisdom that to make sure we keep the enthusiasm and the joy of the project when we're meeting people so that they can feel that and then they can contribute to that. The story is just so incredible. You got me thinking like this truly is your your dharma. I don't I don't use that word lightly, but it's a big word. I give this talk called marketing your dharma and I talk about how it just when people are living on this certain vibration and you just love what you do so much, it actually, in my opinion, my humble opinion, raises the vibration and it's just like this healing. And hearing you tell that story and hearing you talk about music, it's like so obvious to me that this is like your, your calling and like exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And it's just beautiful to witness, um, on my end of the thing, when I see people in that zone or in that Bob, um, it's just so cool what's possible. And I was just sitting here just sort of in awe of that story and also the passion you bring to it. You know, it's, I think that's a big piece of it. Um, and why this has been so successful um, is, you know, you're spearheading this thing. And to my audience listening, you can just like hear the excitement and the passion. It's, <laughs> it's really beautiful. So yeah. now how has it grown? So that was 2007, 2008, um, yeah. huge undertaking, you know, that you, that you're doing with this thing, but it seems like it's gone really well and yeah. people are loving it. What happened in that moment, though, in South Africa was <clears throat> we said to the people, what can we do to give back? You're inviting us in your home, mm. playing us music, you're feeding us. You know, and they said, why don't you give the kids here an opportunity to have a life? Like, instead of the next child being a gangster, maybe they're the next Nelson Mandela. And maybe the only difference is somebody believes in them because they got nothing here. So we decided at that time we would create the Playing for Change Foundation to build cool. music and art schools around the world. And the first music and art school we ever built was in the exact spot of Pokey's place where he and the, those people performed that day. Wow. And we agreed to always make them free to the people, run by the community. That way they have an unpaid board and create this structure where they have some hope and something to believe in. And then since then, you know, these schools have, now we have 15 schools around the world, but they turn into um, telemedicine centers and, programs to keep girls out of the sex slave trade and people out of gangs and get clean water and solar power. So you get light in the maternity ward. And that's why this is also connected because music is like the, the doorway to so I was much. Just gonna, I was just thinking that all because of yeah. the, our mutual love for music. Yeah. And that's the thing. It just, it opens up a way to connect with people deeply. And then you realize that giving is getting. So like, when they mm. when we give something to them, they give way more back to us. When you get to see these kids become the teachers, when you get to see these kids get out of gangs and start to be able to find joy, that's a bigger gift than anything I could go buy. So it's amazing, you know, it just sort of comes and goes back and forth. Um, yeah. It's so it's so beautiful. And music, I think, you know, it's hard to pinpoint why or what it is. I mean, I was on a I was on like a thought song, like a Zoom call this morning with um, those people all, from all over the world. A lot of people from France, a lot of people from the U.S., and most of the people on the call are from India. Um, and it's ball music. Do you know ball? Uh -huh. yeah. Um, so somebody, yeah. 
So somebody was performing um, this morning and it's just like without understanding a single word, you know, or anything that this song is really about, just like the, you're just completely transported. And what is it? I mean, you are the expert. You've been in the music world for a thousand years, it feels like. So what, what do you feel like it is that just allows us to just drop in, in such a way? Like nothing else does that. No, I mean, you know, like why, why music? For me, it's just because it's about the heart. You know, it doesn't it doesn't care about your race, religion. You know, whether you're um, successful in economics, it's like it's just about life, and it's about real humanity that we all share. So, a good friend of mine who's 97. Let's take his advice. Norman, okay. one of the greatest people I've ever met. He said, "There's three things in life remind us we're all connected." Music, laughter, and transcendence. The idea of being a part of something bigger than yourself. So for me, you know, music often leads to the other two. It often makes people who were feeling really sad find some peace. And it makes them realize that they're not alone. You know, that they're a part of something bigger. You can always find a song that'll relate to where you're at in the world. And that can help to lift you up. And a lot of times it's easier to find it in a song than it is in society. Because we're so based on what's wrong with you and what's wrong with us and all the negative stuff, you know, and music just lets you do it in a much more healing, positive way. It's uh, so, it's so beautiful. Like the bigger purpose thing. I, I share a lot on my, you know, I'm just, I share a lot on my social media channels. I'm a Gemini. I'm always talking. I'm always sharing. I'm always putting information out there, whether it's the podcast or free marketing advice or a free course or whatever. I'm trying to provide value. That's like my whole shtick. If you know, you ever look at my website or anything that I'm about, it's just provide value, provide value, like be of service, be of service. And when I, I do these playlists, um, I'm obsessed with music and all kinds of music. Like it's a variety, uh, from everything from like the Hamilton soundtrack to this ball music and everything in between. And I made this playlist recently and I got really into it. Um, and everyone was contributing and it was this whole thing. And I was kind of talking about it a lot. And when I put it out there, it had more engagement than anything I've ever shared, you know, and it was just this playlist that like a bunch of people had added to it. I asked my good friends, my friends that are musicians. Um, I'm really lucky that I've gotten to be close with musicians, uh, in the last few years. So I'm actually getting to see the process of making a song and just, all of this stuff that people I think take for granted when they're listening to music. Um, but it's funny to me how I, you know, I spend hours and hours on this content or this podcast or whatever it is that I put out there and I put out this place and it had more swipe ups, more clicks, more comments, more engagement than anything else. And I think, you know, that's just exactly what you're saying. Um, it's so universal. It doesn't really matter what you're doing for a living or what you're going through or where you are during this COVID time, everybody, can be healed by the music. So yes, it's just so funny, but yeah, I have gotten to, I'm very naive. Um, and it's funny that that's what you said when you originally went into these communities, because I've had a lot of people on this podcast that do that. They go around the world, they dive into cultures and communities and villages. And whenever I ask, um, questions about that. They're like, well, I think I was a little naive to think. (laughs) And so there's this sort of common denominator of the, not to say, you know, we can go in and save, um, you know, you have to be very careful about going into other cultures and communities and all of that. And I, as a Westerner, I totally get that, but that naiveness, that hopefulness, um, that authentic intention that has nothing to do with starting a business or creating revenue or anything other than just like this intention to be of service and um, use your gifts uh, to come into this community. And it's funny because that's actually a common thread in the success stories is like you were naive enough to think that it was possible um, to do this kind of work. And, And oftentimes it is. So it's so beautiful. But I am getting a really cool glimpse now. I'm uh, Trevor's working on his new album and getting to see all of the different. I it's so much patience what you do specifically the engineer work. I have I don't have that patience, but I have the gratitude that somebody does um, because the song that comes out on the other end is just you know hearing all the mixes that he's getting back and all the little nuances and I'm like that little thing whatever that was you know that's amazing yeah. and. And there's somebody in there hearing it and building it. And it's just such a cool, 
uh, industry um, to be a part of. My question is, um, what is the what is your vision for the future of of playing for change, and has it shifted since COVID? Um, and sort of where are you at with it right now, and what's the what's the future? Uh, you know, yeah. ideal dream vision for you. Right on. Well, I wanted to add though, because I'd never finished that when we gave all these musicians royalties, what happened was that first album, Playing for Change, Peace Through Music, was top 10 of Billboard. Hmm. All unknown musicians. And then, oh, so cool. And then Bono had joined though. He did a version of Bob Marley's War No More Trouble with us. And anyway, because of that, they were, and because of Starbucks, we were able to raise a lot of money for all these musicians all over the world. And then that gave us sort of this opportunity to grow an economic business supporting musicians all over the world um, through uh, music that we would make at the time sell. That's kind of changed now. But then we assembled mm -hmm. some of the best musicians from the videos and we created the Playing for Change band. And we assembled them so 10 musicians from 10 countries that never met come together and they played our first benefit concert to launch our Playing for Change Foundation and build our first school in South Africa. And then ever since then, they've been touring all over the world, played huge festivals oh, cool. all over. And they're kind of a tangible example of the project. So right in front of you, you see all these different countries, religions, races, political views, play music together and create this amazing amount of energy and love and show people that the things that make us different make us stronger. You see, that's the most important lesson of anything. The things that make us different make us stronger. So you could never create a band like this with your own culture, you know? You need other ways of seeing the world, other perspectives, other ways of hearing sounds and wanting to interpret life and put that together. And then that equals something bigger than ourselves. So How does that work, though, without them speaking the same language? Like, is yeah. that... Yeah, when they first met, half the, <clears throat> half the band could not speak the same language. And they would just find a way to communicate through the music, Transmitters. Oh, so cool. Um, and then over time, they just became a family. You know, now they all speak each other's languages. And, you know, but the truth is, it, it just, music was a great way to build this global network that now we've got around the world. So we have a touring band that tour the world and we have our schools and we keep making songs around the world. Um, our latest one I think we released was with uh, Bunny Whaler and Manu Chow. We did um, Soul Rebel around the world. And I uh, had released recently The Weight Around the World, which had Ringo Starr, Robbie Robertson. And, you know, so we re released these videos and over time, people have watched them so much. And I think during the COVID crisis, more people are home, more people are looking for something inspiring. So this fall, we're going to reach over 1 billion views on our wow. YouTube channel. Congratulations. And so, yeah, so it's a way, you know, and the people are watching people come together. They're watching humanity. So for us, it's about it, taking this thing and continuing to grow it so that more people around the world can be involved, create more songs, continue to build more schools. We're partnering with the United Nations, uh, really doing a lot of focus on Afro descendants. You know, it's really a lot of things come down to human rights issues around the world. So yeah. many people don't need to live with nothing. And so much of disease and specifically this COVID crisis, it's going to affect the poorest people the most. So it's so important that we start to see each other in a different way, you know, and find a way to realize that we're all here together. It's not my world or your world, it's our world. And yeah. so music is a great tool to open people up to that mindset that we have to start to care more about each other in order to survive. And so a big part of our project now is personalizing and showing the joy and the amazing things that come out of some of the poorest places. You get the best music, so much culture, so much community, so much love they have for each other, and so much self-confidence in who they are, their identity. So these are all amazing lessons that they can pass on to us and then we can help them. And to me, that's kind of the future, continuing to personalize the planet so people realize that they're, they're all one big family around the world. Yeah, it's so inspiring how you took, you know, the thing that you were sort of doing for your career mixed with your passion for music and the network that you had of people and were able to create something like this. It's, um, it's really inspiring. And I think a lot of people listening, I mean, you, the way you talk about it, it, it's, it's just, um, it's big, it's huge what you've created. How big is the team? How big is your team? Like I'm, I'm always, it's hard to not think of things from like a business standpoint. Cause I'm like, okay, this is incredible, but how does this work? Yeah. Um, 
from like an operational or day to day, like who's doing what? Do you have people, you know, on the ground in different places? Like, you know, how does the, how right. does the situation so, Yeah, the way we set it up was that playing for change, the, the movement, right? So we have a <clears throat> for-profit business that supports the grown-up musicians all over the world, giving them equity and royalties and touring and merchandising. And then we have a separate 501c3 supporting music and art education for children around the world. So our process is about having them both work together. Mm-hmm. So with the, with the business, we have a small crew with myself and, and about three people that travel the world, record and film and, and produce all the music. That's it. That's for that part of it. Oh my then God. We have a few partners that help oversee the whole business. And then we have like a communications and a social media team, merchandise. So probably about 10 to 12. And then the foundation is much bigger in the sense that all the schools are run by their own communities. So there's a lot of staff in those communities, a lot of students and teachers. Sure, sure. Um, And the biggest part of the foundation is in each of the locations of the schools. And then centrally, there's probably about six or seven employees, um, aside from the people at the schools, to kind of make sure that everything works. So it's a small thing, but honestly, it's, it's made by so many people. Like when I make one song around the world, it could have 50 musicians. Then you got all their friends and their families and their communities that made it possible for us. Yeah. Then you have all the people that helped make it happen. Sponsors that we get, we go out and get sponsors because our YouTube channel was getting over 200 million views a year. So we were able to suddenly right. realize that we were a hosting platform as well as just making content. Like yeah. suddenly we realize there's a lot of value for people to um, support this kind of content and have this brand association, whether it's other NGOs, the United Nations, or companies that are involved in music, like Audio Technica, and then they donate headphones and microphones to all the schools. Um, and then we, so, you know, it's, it's really a, about mixing all of these pieces together. Um, but yeah, the staff is pretty lean, but we're looking to grow and grow. And then, like I said, it's a countless amount of people have made this possible. So I get to stand here or sit here and talk about it all, but I'm representing all of them. And so many people, so much. It's super beautiful though. What's possible, you know, it's, um, I've been thinking a lot lately, like we have these, we have dreams, but my new realization or a little COVID epiphany, I've been, I've been alone too long. You know, my husband's an introvert, so I'm like alone with my thoughts, which is good and bad, but, um, (laughs) it's, it's that our dreams are actually limiting because when you have a dream or you have like a goal or like, whether it's business or financial or to help people or travel or whatever it is, um, that's actually like, our ceiling, right? And you're not able to dream beyond that. And what this is, is just sort of like, sounds like beyond what you could have really ever imagined um, it turning into. What was like the biggest, I don't know, I want to know one, what was the biggest challenge in growing this? But let's start with what was like the biggest surprise for you or the thing that you just, you know, could not have possibly expected to come out of this whole thing? I mean, the whole thing is incredible, but was there a moment or was there a partnership or a decision or something that happened that just was sort of like <laughs> I mean this one is a little bit more ego ego driven that's okay for me personally was just that I had gotten contacted by Keith Richards and I was a huge I'm a huge Rolling Stones fan and he uh, asked to meet me because he wanted to take one of his songs around the world and um that experience of working with him and he turned to me and he said playing for change that's the way music was meant to be and so, you know, sort of getting Beautiful. that ability to work with Keith, and then he donates all of his time and effort and resources, and then that really helps us continue funding the project and building schools. And so just having artists like that decide to, you know, that can often be very complicated to get involved with. Uncomplicate everything, go right to the heart of the matter, and say, no, I want to play with these guys. I want to be a part of this. I think that was a really cool experience. Too. And he came to you. Yeah, he had come to us. That's huge. He had seen, we had done Give Me Shelter around the world um, when Taj uh-huh. Mahal was on that. And he saw that and he really loved it. He said, yeah, pick any song of mine and we'll take it around the world. So we did his song called Words of Wonder into Bob Marley Get Up, Stand Up. So it was Keith Richards with Aztec Indians, mariachis all playing together. And it's just sort of like, where else can you do that? 
Yeah. The videos are amazing. I mean, the songs are just unreal. If you guys haven't heard, I actually, you know, pause, go listen to some, come back to the interview because it's just absolutely amazing. And what a dream to have your dream artist or your dream, you know, I'm thinking about it from my standpoint, there's a lot of like uh, dream people, you know, I want to work with out there in the world and to have them come to you. What an awesome thing that by just being of service and spreading your joy and your gifts, then you know, you end up calling them into your world, which is right. You know, and, and one of my best friends who's in a lot of our videos is from the Congo. His name's Mermin's Mosengo, and he's the leader of our band and one of the greatest people, musicians I have ever met. But he was on the wait around the world. And when we were interviewing everybody, it was like, what was it like to play with Ringo Starr? And you ask somebody, oh, I've been listening to him my whole life. He defined my music. You ask Mermin's, he's like, no, I'd never heard of him. <laughs> who, is, who, is, who is Ringo Starr? And you're like, what do you mean, the Beatles? He's like, no, I, I don't know the Beatles. And then you realize, like, wow, that's amazing, right, music. So you can be a superstar in one area and nobody heard of you in the other. So obviously that is meaningless. What matters is who are you as a person and how is the music you're making impacting people? Because when he heard Ringo and saw Ringo, he loved him. Yeah. So, like, it, you know, it wasn't about the fame. It was about the authenticity of, and the performance, you know, and the soul of the people. Well, I think that's what you've proven through this is that it's not about the fame. It's about the authenticity. Like these songs that have nobody famous in them are getting millions and millions and millions of views. All yeah. Like it's incredible hitting billboard charts with unnamed or unheard of artists before. So I think that the proof is, is right there that authenticity wins. And it's, yeah, it's, which is a great thing. <laughs> my favorite thing. It's yeah, the name of my too. business, my company. And oh, wow. But, my company's authentic audience and so same as the podcast. But um, for me, it's been so beautiful because I, you know, I started this out of a naive thing too, thinking, oh, I can, you know, start a marketing agency. There's millions of them. Um, but it's super successful. And what I've realized in that and everyone I work with and that's successful and everyone I interview, the authenticity wins like above anything else. Um, and it's, sort of awesome to, you know, I didn't know when I started this, if that was going to be true. And even when I started the podcast, something I'm really interested in is why things succeed and why things fail. I'm always looking at that. And when you have the authentic intention um, to, you know, begin something or start something and it's the intention of it, right? So it has to be authentic and not, um, to make money or for the fame or for the wealth or all of that stuff. And I've actually worked with people and I'm thinking of somebody now, it was a bad experience that started out with a really good intention. And then once we started traveling and working with them, we realized somewhere along the line, the intention had changed to money and fame. And we ended up walking away from that project. And I can tell you right now, it never took off. Um, so the projects that have that intention, it's okay that it makes a lot of money in the end, but I think that original intention to create something out of just joy and service and all of those beautiful things, it's just, that's actually what makes people the most money in the end. Yeah. And, and, and certainly the, the happiest along yeah. the way. Amen, which is even more important. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but I do want to know, like in all of this, you've had to have hit roadblocks and sort of challenges along the way in growing this. I mean, you seem very positive. So I'm guessing you handle, <laughs> you handle roadblocks uh, much better than I do. Um, but what have some of those looked like? And what is your advice, you know, for people who are growing big movements like this when they do come up against challenges? Well, it all got summed up for me early on. Before I even started playing for change, my brother, Greg Johnson, who's a partner with me in the project, he had been traveling in the Himalayan mountains in, in Tibet. He had given me this coin. And um, I was so attached to this coin. I don't know why. I just loved it. And then I had met an old Chinese medicine doctor. And he looked at it and he said, oh, he explained it to me that that was a page of the I Ching the book of changes and this particular page is supreme success through perseverance mm. so i just sort of decided like well that's going to be the way this is going to go there's a supreme reason. success through perseverance. perseverance i love that so somehow my brother didn't just randomly end up getting me that thing that meant everything to me i knew that was sort of a lesson for me early on uh, or a mantra even something to take because nothing is going to be easy 
and nothing really that good is easy anyway. Um, so, okay. But yeah, I'm a positive person. I look at it the good way. Of course it's been hard. I mean, <laughs> the amount of, the amount, you know, I mean, the amount of just carrying equipment all over the world, sometimes in very dangerous places, hearing things like the rebels are coming or the machete boys are coming or all of these things, you know, in the beginning it was like park police. <laughs> it's like, Oh, no big deal. Now it's like, wow, really, this is heavy stuff. You're right in the middle of places that are not connected. And that's even more important to why you're here or, um, you know, but really just learning about perseverance, like recording Israel. And then I would go to record in Palestine and the Palestinians and the Israelis would say, oh, if the other groups in the song, we better be in it, too. Not, totally different than, oh, if they're involved, I don't want to be involved. But because it was music, they both want to be involved. Wow. So, so interesting. we realized like, OK, supreme success through perseverance. Like at first, you know, maybe there's a negative connotation. Here I am, some American white guy traveling. That's got its own connotation to it. Totally. Who are you? But I was an interpersonal communication major in college. And so I would study, like, how do people make sense of the world? How do they find their identity? And try not to be like, oh, let me bring my identity to you. More like, who are you? And try to learn that way. And so that can get you out of a lot of trouble, too. Because you're not trying to bring yourself to the situation. You're trying to become humble and make something with somebody. And as soon as they believe in that, you can break down the, the biggest walls ever can disappear um, music so, is such a bridge yeah the music but also just connecting to humanity i mean they didn't always know i was there for music they right. could see that i was there for something pure though and something right. that yeah, people can feel it people can feel it um but you know throughout this there's been those sort of um you know avoiding tragedies along the way just with production and all of that stuff but then I think it's just about how do you continue to grow something, you know, because you have all of this success and all of this, even if the success is just personal satisfaction with your life, maybe it's not like economic, but you love what you're doing and you see people love what you're doing, but how do you keep going? So for me, it was like, that's when it, the mantra really became important is how do I sustain this thing? How do I continue to keep that enthusiasm and that joy and that love when I've now seen things I can't believe? that we do to each other around the world. So as much as like I was naive and as much as good intention wins, we are horrible to each other. Oh yeah, other. I, can't, I can't imagine the kind of situations you've been in doing this. Yeah, but you know, so for me it was like, how do you keep the, 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 the constant belief that this is more important than just, oh, give up. And for me, it's always just been in the faces of the people you see the little kids and you see elderly people and everybody in between really just gives them tools to go into their life feeling more confident. And, and then that just keeps ripple effect. You yeah. know, so for me, it was like to sort of start to honor it. When we first released Stand By Me, I got an email from a woman who said that she was contemplating suicide and decided mm -hmm. not because of the video. But when I was making that video, I was not thinking of something like that. I didn't think it would even be watched. So for right. some watch it, feel that way, contact me. Suddenly I have to evolve now because now I have to realize the seriousness of this, but don't take it too serious because I still need to go out there and make art with people. But yeah. you keep balancing those sort of struggles of how do you take on the seriousness of something and the sorrow and convert it into joy, you know, and that's the supreme success through perseverance part. And I love that. You just keep going and good things come, good things come. And, you know, that's what I believe. It's amazing. I've heard that multiple times. Um, I, I've used Trevor as an example a lot because he's the only one I really like have that personal connection to beyond, you know, the, as a fan, I'm a fan of a lot of music, but I can actually, uh, I've had the honor of being witness to a lot of the behind the scenes and the letters and the the words like people burst into tears when they meet him or you saved my life or the same thing. I was contemplating suicide before I heard this song. That's heavy. That's, that's big. And I know for a lot of artists and musicians and this, the music is so much bigger than they are. So he never feels like, Oh, I, he's like, well, it was the music. It was the song. I didn't save your life. Right. It was the music and it was the, you know, 
the moment and there's so much more went into it. And his whole thing is, you know, it's not me. Um, the, it's not me. And so it's really hard for him to actually receive, um, those kinds of statements and sort of the weight of, um, when people just sort of break down in front of him, um, because he doesn't feel like it's him. Right. And I think this, this thing that you're doing is so much bigger, but you still have to recognize how it's profoundly, profoundly affecting people. And it's just, it's so beautiful. So then coming back to my question is what, what does the future of, of this look like for you and what's your vision for it? Um, and has that changed, uh, since, since COVID at all, has that impacted things? Well, we've been working on a Playing for Change music festival for a long time. And yes. what's about that is maybe it won't be for a while. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to do it online and do an online music festival around the world featuring uh, all kinds of roots musicians all over the world, also well-known artists and painters and poets and, you know, uh, performances from our schools around the world and take really just a day where people see the whole world come together through music and joy. I mean, it's actually kind of cool that you can do it online. Yeah. So that it's you can. It's a great opportunity, right? Yeah. To tap into all these musicians and their families. Everybody's looking to contribute to something, but nobody can really leave their home. That's so beautiful. It's best to use this network and this audience and give everybody sort of a musical trip around the world from their own home. Yeah. Uh, so that's we're working on this fall. Awesome. And then we're just continuing to work on more music schools. Uh, and then connecting all the kids together. So like the songs around the world, it starts with one person, it ends with everybody together. Our schools was one at a time, but now we connect all the kids together. So kids in America meet kids in Africa and learn about it's the home of the blues, not home of Ebola virus. Like mm -hmm. reinvent how people see the world through the lens of music. That's really what I want the future to be. Oh, I love that. I hope for that too. <laughs> <laughs> And I think it's possible because of people like you and what you're creating. So I'm just, I'm so grateful you, you are creating it and are doing this work. Um, let's end with the calls to action here. So how can people support? What's the best way to support? What do you need? Uh, and how can we be of service? Where can we find you? Tell me all the things. Okay. Well, I think the most important thing to say is that the way I was able to inspire other people or create a project that inspires people is because of the people that believed in me. Mm. So maybe like the best thing everybody can do is just believe in somebody because when you do that, you have no idea what's going to come from it. That so is so, so real. I just found the person on LinkedIn and I don't know why I didn't think of it sooner, but when I decided to quit my job and do this full time, I had, I was living on my boat and my boat broker was like, oh, I have this woman you should talk to. She's been very successful in marketing. Um, you should sit down with her. Just, you know, I'll get you a meeting with her. Super helpful because he believed in me. And she sat me down. It was the only meeting I ever had before I started this. And she looked at me and she said, if you want to, you could have one of the biggest marketing agencies. Like, you've got it. And she gave me these sort of four questions. And my brand and marketing doc right now that I send to every intern inbound lead starts with those same four questions. It hasn't changed in like eight years. Wow. And I was just saying to my husband, her belief in me like feeling seen and having this very successful being in marketing tell me that I could be successful in it. I, it changed everything. And we, and we lost touch, which is crazy um, because life happens. And I recently found her on LinkedIn and I said, I can't tell you the effect that that 30 minute lunch had on me. I have this agency now and I was showing her my website. And I was like, I'm working with some of like the coolest musicians and athletes and artists in the world. Can you come on my podcast or she's going to come on and, but wow. you, you just reminded me of that. I'm so yeah. glad you brought that up because that is not something to take lightly. Like believing in people is, is, and holding space for success is so yeah. important. Yeah. So to me, that's the ultimate thing you can do every day because oh, I love that, that. you're never even going to know the measure of what you've, the impact you've had on the world in a positive way. And then for our project specifically, you can go become a member. Um, membership is sort of a $5 a month way for us to get so that we can make the content for the people from the people is our real idea. Instead of having to go to outside people to get funding and then bring in all of their outside ideas and goals, 
we really wanted this to stay authentic. So we created an online membership at playingforchange.com. I mean, look, all our videos are free on YouTube and people can watch them. But if they want to learn more and see recitals and extra stuff, you can go to playingforchange.com and become a member. Awesome. And then playingforchange.org. That's got all of our foundation music schools. You can check it out. Uh, and by becoming a member, by the way, you're also supporting the schools. They okay. work together. So really just checking it out and sharing it with, with anybody you can so that we can continue to grow playing for change around the world. I love that. I will definitely be signing up. I'll probably be sending a few gifts. I love that option, by the way. That's so smart. Gift a membership. Right. Good, yeah. Great marketing. Great option. <laughs> Um, and yeah, it's a beautiful website. I've been obviously stalking you for a couple of hours this morning, sort of, you know, getting into the, the vibe of this whole thing. And I'm just blown away. I kept, you know, rereading your bio. I'm like, I can't believe he said yes to my podcast. This is amazing. Well, and it's, it's, it's been the best podcast I've ever done. Oh, it's so I, great to talk to. Thank you for saying that. And I just, I, I really love it. Um, it's my favorite thing I do because, you know, I love, showcasing other people's gifts. And I think that's to me what marketing really is, is it's helping, um, you know, I see gifts in people. I see these amazing services, offerings, whatever it is, and connecting them to their audience and getting them in front of people who will see and buy those gifts is, and so this podcast is an amazing way to do that because I get to see people that really inspire me. And then I get to just like help them toot their horn, um, for an hour, which is so much fun. And to meet people this way for the first time where we just sort of dive into a very, you know, deep conversation is so fun, uh, for me. So it sort of is just selfishly, you know, I'm so glad people listen because it's, uh, it allows me to keep doing it. And because it's growing, um, I get to get very cool people like you on here. And also because it's growing, we get to get very cool people like you in front of more and more people. So. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you for the opportunity. It's so fun. Yeah. I'd love to have you back on you. You're so, you're such a good interview. It would be fun to do, you know, check-ins and right on um, yeah. and stuff like that. So yeah, I, you just yeah. jumped in my, my world this morning with just this amazing energy and I'm just, you know, grateful to, to have met you. So thank you. Yeah, and that's, you. it's playing for change. Um, exactly. Uh, as it sounds.com yep. is the website and we'll put that in the show notes. And this is Mark Johnson and to everybody listening, wherever you are, have the best day, go listen to your favorite song. And, uh, if not, definitely listen to some of the music on their website and until next time, keep growing. 